0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented by the RT Media newsletter. If you haven't done it yet, please stop on over at RossTucker.com, scroll down the homepage a little bit, throw your email address in there, and you will get an email from me, I don't know, every couple months with a story from my time in the NFL and some special offers, special discounts that you don't hear about on the show so sign up over there uh, you might even be a winner if you sign up to be part of our newsletter speaking of winners we will have a new spread the word winner this week that's somebody that just retweets me or Bry or likes it on Instagram or Facebook at Ross Tucker NFL at RTF podcast hopefully you guys are already following at RTF podcast I want to try to get that that list over 10,000 somehow we got to come up with some type of some type of giveaway to get the Twitter following over 10,000. We got a long way to go. I think we're like 8,300 maybe. So if anybody has any ideas, let me know. We will have a sponsor confirmation email winner this week as well. Very much looking forward to that. All you need to do is take advantage of any of our sponsors. They're always on the sponsor page over at RossTucker.com. Send them to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, with your email question. I will guarantee that we read and respond to your email question right here on this show or other shows. If you want it for the college draft or even money, Fantasy Feast, that's fine, too. That's totally up to you. Shout out today for the latest patron, Michael Talbot. Patrons just keep coming in, man. I love it. And our private Slack channel for the Tuckheads, it has never been this active. It's unbelievable. Every different thread, there's all kinds of comments and interaction with the minority hiring and beer and food. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Patreon.com slash RT Media. Thank you very much, Michael Talbot. And thank you very much, Warren Sharp for agreeing to an extended interview because the reality is one segment with Warren is just not enough because one is more like, I don't want to say theory based, but just talking about scheduling inefficiencies, scheduling inadequacies, importance. And then I like to know, all right, let's talk this year. Let's talk Turkey, Warren. Let's talk who got a raw deal or who's got a tough schedule this year. Who doesn't, Very, very important when you're talking about season win totals, if you're into betting, or even if you're just into your team winning. It's important to know, oh man, we got a much tougher schedule than we did last year, or we actually got a much easier schedule than we did. That's why we bring on the scheduling goat, Warren Sharp at Sharp Football. It's big show time. The big show. All right, Warren. Here we go. Let's dive into some specific teams this week. Really looking forward to it. And let's start with this. Which teams have the biggest disparity from last year to this year when you look at their schedules? In other words, easy schedule last year, hard schedule this year, hard schedule last year, easy schedule this year. Who jumps out at you? The first
2: one is definitely the New York Giants. The New York Giants last season played the sixth easiest schedule, and it may not seem like that because they didn't have a great season overall, Uh, but they did play one of the easier schedules in the NFL last year. This year, I've got them going up against the number two most difficult schedule uh, in the NFL, and it's not going to be easy. It's, It's as hard as it sounds for the Giants. Because of The division, obviously they're playing in in division and the Washington Redskins, we know they are not going to be any worse than they were last season. They overhauled a lot of things. They're trying to get better. So I would expect them to be at or at the same or better than they were last year. But when you look at some of these non division teams that they have to go up against, um, you're talking about the San Francisco 49ers and look at the gauntlet to start the season. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chicago Bears, San Francisco 49ers, L.A. Rams, and the Dallas Cowboys. Those five teams right there are your first five games. Every single one of those teams is projected to win at least eight games. Multiple of those teams are forecast to make the postseason. You do get a break to play the Redskins, but then you have to go to Philly on a short week. And we're going to be talking about this. It is a factor taking that road trip on a short week. It's not so much the road versus home field advantage, and that could be something we incorporate into this discussion because these road games may not be quite as bad from the difficulty of playing in an opposing stadium if that stadium is not full and if you can actually hear your offensive calls. But the issue is that that home team on a short week has a little bit extra prep time because they don't lose time having to get organized to travel to go on the road. And that benefits Teams that host Thursday night games, and in this case, the Reds, the Giants, rather have to travel. Then they come home. They do have a mini bye, but they have to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, obviously, Tampa Bay, a, a very good team, an improved team this season. Um, they literally only play three teams all season that are forecast to finish below eight wins, and that's the Redskins, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Arizona Cardinals. So three teams four games, of course, to play the Redskins twice. Other than that, they're playing everybody that has predicted schedules of at least eight and eight or better. Um, So it's just going to be extremely difficult for the New York Giants this upcoming season.
0: What about the Jets? I, I think I saw on one of your tweets at Sharp Football, the Jets have a pretty rough slate too, right?
2: Absolutely. The New York Jets go from having the fifth easiest schedule in terms of total efficiency last season to having the third most difficult schedule of, of uh, opposing teams forecasted for this upcoming season. So the teams from New York, uh, you know, the city's been ravaged with everything that's gone on this spring. The, the football season, I don't know in terms of win-loss record, it does not look as good as what it potentially could be. One of the issues for the Jets, they do get to play a few more teams that are, that are projected to be uh, below 500. They get the Denver Broncos, and they get to host the Denver Broncos on Thursday night. So, again, home team on a Thursday, and you're playing a team that has to travel from Denver. That is a big advantage for the Jets based on the schedulers, uh, but it's still a difficult opponent, of course. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not as difficult of an opponent, but they are for- forecast to win seven and a half games. Another team they get to play that's forecast to have a sub-500 record are the Arizona Cardinals. They get two games against the Miami Dolphins and one game against the Oakland Raiders. Every single one of those games, obviously, they play in division against Miami, so they have one game on the road, but they host those opponents. They host Denver, they host Arizona, they host one game against Miami, and they host the Las Vegas Raiders. So there's four games that they actually get to host against some of these teams. Many of them are taking long trips to get there. Obviously, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Arizona Cardinals, Denver Broncos, from sort of like the West part of the country so they're coming in that's that's a little bit of an advantage for the New York Jets so they get home games against some of those bad teams so I think their four could be a little bit higher than the Giants because some of these games you should be able to figure out how to win but they do have a very difficult schedule overall in terms of other teams especially when you look at what they faced last season just how much more difficult this schedule is you're talking about a game in Arrowhead you've got to host the 49ers you got a game up in Seattle um, you get to ho- you have to host the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots, so it's just it's just difficult. I mean, those two last teams I mentioned are in division, but they're one of the bigger swings from 2019 to 2020 in terms of how much more difficult their schedule has become.
0: What about the other way, Warren? What about teams that had a brutal 2019 that look like they're in better shape in 2020?
2: Well, one of the teams that had a very difficult uh, schedule last season was the Seattle Seahawks. They had the third most difficult schedule in terms of total efficiency of opponents. They move up to middle of the pack this season. Um, And that doesn't sound great still, but when you look at their schedule, I don't see it as intimidating as some years in the past when I've looked at the Seattle Seahawks schedule. Uh, First and foremost, We know that they get to host the Minnesota Vikings, and they usually do pretty well when they host the Minnesota Vikings, especially in primetime. That game's on Sunday Night Football Week 5, so they get to host them. They get to host a Thursday night game. They play the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night. They also, one of their most difficult games of the season, the most difficult road game of the season that they have, besides an annual trip to San Francisco, which happens to be Week 17, is in Philadelphia on Monday night. But guess what? That game falls on their schedule after they hosted a Thursday night game. So they have a mini bye before they have to go and play that difficult game. They have 11 days off before they're playing that game against the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. That is definitely a benefit for them as well. The other difficult opponents, the most difficult opponents, are all home games for them. They get to host Dallas. I already mentioned they host the Minnesota Vikings, and they get to host the New England Patriots on Sunday night, week two of the season. Um, So when you're looking at where are the tough opponents that you're going to play, I look at a schedule and I want a team to be hosting them. If I'm, if I'm looking to find reasons to support this team's win total, I want to see that they're hosting. They are, they're hosting a lot of their most difficult opponents um, and some of their most difficult road opponents, fortunately for them, give them like some good rest advantages prior to those games. Uh, and so just in terms of like overall movement, they're one of the teams that really benefits from an easier schedule as compared to last season. And another team uh, is the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions played the sixth most difficult schedule last season. They moved to the eighth easiest schedule this upcoming season. Now, Detroit's not a sexy team. We don't talk about them much because they typically don't do well. They don't fare well. They don't make it to the postseason. They're just like an underlooked, under-discussed team um, from their own division, uh, let alone the big picture of the NFL, but they have a nice little soft patch of their schedule where after their bye, the problem for them is they got an early bye week 5, but they're doing things like uh the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Falcons which are not protect, projected to do quite as well this season. They also get to play the Redskins and the Carolina Panthers within a span of 6 weeks there before they host a Thanksgiving game. Again, we talked about the importance of hosting games on Thursday, and this year they're hosting the Houston Texans. Um, We know that Detroit, they play at an earlier time slot, that 1230 Eastern game on Thanksgiving. That means even less time for that road team to prepare. Um, And in this case, the Houston Texans aren't projected to be as strong as they've been in the past. So those games right there, that's a nice you know seven-week stretch where they face four games, five games rather in seven weeks against teams that are forecasted to be below 500. Um, You know, it's, it's not going to be easy. They have to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers late in the season. Um, But fortunately that's a home game for them. That's a week 16 home game for them. So they're another team that moved from a much more difficult schedule last year to a far easier schedule this season.
0: All right. So Warren, you mentioned hosting Thursday night football you mentioned the uh, uh, the rhythm when you're on different body clock games. What do we know now? What do we have enough data that we know that something is an advantage or a disadvantage? I mean, I think obviously in general being on the road a disadvantage and I'm sure that there's something to be said about mileage and maybe you can chime in on that, like how much of an impact – mileages, but what do we know now for a fact documented by data over the years that really matter when it comes to the schedule? People complain about the early bye week. Is that actually a factor? Is the is the how far you travel actually a factor? Is three road games really that big of a deal? What have you found diving deep into your sharp football analysis?
2: The hard part about actually coming up with like for instance the accumulation of travel or the the impact of travel in one particular game is difficult to quantify because such a small sample size in terms of the number of NFL games that are played in general as well as the small sample size of you know the actual times that a team has to take like a east coast to west coast trip or something like that but there are a number of things that we know do accumulate and do cause issues general travel in terms of like an accumulation of a lot of travel by the end of the season does impact you. We've gotten a lot better. We've minimized the impacts a lot compared to past years is one of the reasons why home field advantage, even if there were fans and there was a big crowd noise and there was a lot of impact, there is nowhere near what it once used to be Um, is because we've done better with sports science. But when you're flying and, and you're going up to a higher altitude and uh, your, your body doesn't have a chance to heal quite as quickly, there's issues with swelling. And so that we, we've done a better job at minimizing that uh, over the years, but it still is a factor. And so the accumulation of that by the end of the season could play a slight role, but it's not going to be probably the reason why a team – didn't win a game. If they lost a game, it's, it's not quite something that's that strong. Like that alone would be the reason, but it's what we know is it's not beneficial. Um, In terms of the three straight road games, you know, three straight road games. What I have found with that is teams definitely win less often on road game number two and road game number three. Like they're usually, these teams are underdogs. They're less likely to pull upsets and they do worse against the spread in those second and third games than a typical road team will on average but what the interesting factoid is there and and you know i don't know how many times in your career ross you played three straight road games but that first road game game one of the three game stand those teams actually do far better in terms of their ability to pull off upsets their ats records in the first game and i don't know if it has anything to do with the mentality of like We got we got a big a tough stretch ahead of us, guys. We really got to focus on what that might be that the coaching staff is getting the most out of the players. But before they go on three straight road games, that first game ends up being really good, and then the second two games end up being worse. Another interesting schedule element that's actually going to play a factor for a team like the Atlanta Falcons, which is really fascinating to me, is that um, we have seen it's very rare, but it's actually happening five times this year, where a team will play a division opponent twice in the span of three weeks. Like the Atlanta Falcons are going to play the saints in week 11 and in week 13. So they have a game against the Oakland Raiders in between, but twice in three weeks, they're playing the same exact opponent. And what we've found is that say the saints win the first game, right? So they fall into a category of there's, it's happened 23 times since 2005 where we've had two games in three weeks. So the team that wins the first game, obviously they're they're 23 and 0 in that first game because we're classifying they've won the first game. What does that same team that just won the first game? What do they do the second game? Does, does the Saints win over 50 percent, 75 percent, like they won the first game a couple of weeks ago? What do they do that second game? They actually are seven and sixteen. They win thirty percent of the time. The team that won the first game, twenty-three and zero, only goes seven and sixteen in that game a couple weeks later. That is very interesting. I think the team that loses, uh, obviously, they know the team opponent well because it's a divisional battle. They must make a ton of adjustments. Whereas the team that won the first game just plays the same way, um, and it's a ba- massive advantage to the team that lost. They end up winning seventy percent of the time. So that's a pretty crazy statistics. Um, statistic that you might not otherwise think. Uh in terms of having the early bye week, it is a factor. Um, especially this season, I think it's going to be more of a factor because you have less teams that get the bye week in the postseason. So, you know, I don't it's not necessarily a factor for the teams that are going to be, you know, five and eleven or four and twelve. Like that's not really going to be life and death. But what's going to be a bigger impact is the team that's about to make the postseason. Can they earn a buy in the playoffs, like the one buy that comes out of their conference, or are they going to have to play? And then how many weeks in a row are they going to have to play? If you look at a team like the Ravens or the chiefs, they do, they are fortunate. They don't have one of the earliest buys. The Ravens have a week eight bye and the chiefs by is actually after that. But the interesting element for the Ravens is that they have a week eight bye. but then as we mentioned, uh, on the other show, I think, they have this mini-buy where they play Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys They get to host that game, which is an advantage Thursday night game hosting. And then they play Monday night against the Cleveland Browns. So they have the longest mini-buy possible. That's between week 13 and week 14. They go from Thursday all the way to Monday night. That's a big uh, time off that they get to rest and heal their bodies. And that's very late in the season. So they're really fortunate. I mean, you can't get a mini buy longer than a Thursday to Monday game. That's rare, very rare that that happens. And the fact that they have a week eight buy and then this mini buy ahead of week 14, and then they get three teams to close out the season that are should be more or less a cakewalk for them. Uh, the Jaguars, the Giants and the Bengals all projected to win five and a half or fewer games this year. That should be, a, or sorry, the Giants are six and a half. That should be a great advantage for them if they're able to win that bye and steal it from the Chiefs. Is to having this mini bye late in the season. So getting added rest late is definitely a factor. It's going to be more of a factor this season than it is in prior years. And I just want to go on record here as saying that this is not the life or death for any team, right? How many times have we seen teams? go on these runs late in the year. They have to win their wild card game. We saw the Giants do it as they won a Super Bowl, right? Like, you have to win your wild card game. You're playing every game. You're the road underdog. You're pulling off all these upsets. Like, it's not to say that other teams in the league can't get this done. It's just a disadvantage to them. It's something else that they have to overcome.
0: So, we've talked about it in terms of the virus a little bit. And there's a lot of unknowns there. Anything else specific to this year that you think that the virus impacts the schedule? Obviously, the NFL put some contingencies in for this year because of the virus. Anything jump out to you? Anything you notice that could greatly affect the schedule?
2: Well, if you talk in general about the virus, you talk about the home field advantage that could be less of a factor. So you're going to zoom in a little bit more. We know it's not quite as big as it once was, but you're going to zoom in a little more to the teams that actually had a strong home field advantage, like Seattle, for example. And you're going to look at the games where they're playing opponents that the home field in a rocking stadium would have made a massive difference if you got a game against the patriots on sunday night week two uh will there be fans there you got a game week three hosting the uh the dallas cowboys and as we mentioned before you're hosting the minnesota vikings they do pretty well there but that's a sunday night game week five so if the early part of the season is impacted or could be uh, played without fans in the stands like they're hosting three big games two of which are prime time um, against opponents that are forecast to make the playoffs this year that's going to be you know, less of an advantage to them. So when you're playing these opponents and where you're playing them definitely is going to be a factor, especially if you're a team that has benefited from crowd noise and a home field. Um, the other thing, as we mentioned, is the decreased ability to get in the practice reps and to probably uh, perfect your passing game this this spring. And that's going to be a factor if you're playing teams that, uh, face a very difficult schedule of pass defenses to start the year. These, some of these offenses may come out a little bit more stagnant, especially from a passing perspective. And, you know, there's a number of teams that face like easier or harder schedules to start the year from a, a pass defense perspective. Uh, you know, Houston's not going to want to hear this, but they play the second most difficult schedule of opposing pass defenses to start the year. Um, and that's not going to be easy for them. Uh, they're a team that lost DeAndre Hopkins already, and that's a t- tough uh, slate of pass defenses that they have to go up against. And the Oakland Raiders as well um, face the most difficult schedule of opposing pass defenses to start the year. So there are some teams that will probably need to rely a little bit more on the ground game because maybe their passing game isn't quite there yet as a result of the shortened or abbreviated off season that the virus, unfortunately, is uh, causing a factor of. So I think that there's certainly elements to the virus um, and the teams that are going to be adapting the best and modifying how they're doing things could have a substantial advantage. And, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this often on the pod, but everybody is in this uncharted territory right now of what we should do, uh, of how we are going to conduct our workouts and our, our, off-season meetings and we've got certain limitations there with league-wide rules, but this is how we're going to do things. And I can guarantee you every team is focusing on something a little bit differently, right? They're all emphasizing certain things. They're all talking about certain things that could vary from team to team. And the teams that are doing the smartest job of preparing their approach and plan towards conducting these off-season meetings could have more of an advantage than the others that are maybe a little bit less organized or well thought out in their approach.
0: Warren, I look forward to this every year. It's phenomenal. Very few people we interview that we turn them into two parts, but one part is never enough for you, my friend. There's just too much information to get to again, encourage everyone to check out everything Warren puts out there His personal Twitter handle is at SharpFootball. Then you can also go to at SharpFBAnalysis. The website is SharpFootballAnalysis.com, and that is exactly what it is. That is not a fake name. That's his actual name, but it comes out perfectly for a guy that gives this type of analysis, which is Sharp. Thank you, Warren. Thanks so much, Ross. Man, that guy is just a wealth of information. I'll tell you what, between Warren Sharp and Greg Cosell and Andrew Brandt, where are you getting better information than this show? I know you're not getting it from me. That's okay. You're getting it from my guests. What does it matter? You're listening, and you're getting great information from them. And I'm just the loudmouth former player. Hey, it all works. Speaking of awesome, the last dance has been incredible. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they are calling After the Dance. So that's pretty cool. Visit the website or use your mobile device. Join today to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all of the action. By the way, NASCAR is back. Golf in some capacity is back. There was some golf over the weekend. So there are live United States sporting events that you can bet on at BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Just use the promo code PODCAST1
1: for your sign-up bonus. Tuck takes couple of interesting pieces of NFL info came out on Friday, Ross. That was after we finished recording with Greg. The first is that NFL facilities are going to begin opening up on a limited basis tomorrow with obviously some restrictions in place. So this is interesting.
0: I think Judy Batista, Judy Batista said that 22 of the 32 teams would be able to open their facilities based on You know, their locales, their states, and the state rules. So, my understanding is it's no coaching staffs as they're trying to keep no competitive advantage there. Right? They're trying to keep a level playing field. And this will be a good topic for Andrew on Wednesday for sure. But coaching staffs are not allowed to come back, number one. And number two, it's only half the staff. You know, so only up to half of the staff can be back in the building. That's interesting too, right? Now that I think about it, first of all, you got to decide as a franchise, okay, we're allowed to, are we going to? Number one. Number two, who is the 50% that comes back and who doesn't? And what's the criteria for that? And number three, do you want to be one of the 50% that comes back? You know, I've had several discussions over the last week about sort of the risk reward with everything, you know, with things opening up or, you know, social distancing, but being a little bit more social while you're doing it. I don't think everyone has to necessarily agree Um, as a lot as usual or as as in a lot of things. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. You know, I don't think everything should just be opened up. Everybody just goes crazy and d- get back to quote-unquote normal. I also don't think everybody should necessarily just stay sequestered in their house. I think there's a happy medium there. But that happy medium is probably different for different people. So there might be people that don't want to go back to the facility. That would be my first thing is like if anybody, anybody not want to go back to the facility or anybody know that they do, and then you can make some decisions based on that. Kind of interesting. Uh, but anyway, that's the deal with the restrictions in place. The NFL is sort of trying to uh, start, start the process of dipping their toes in the water, so to speak, here with reopening things.
1: States. The other thing that I know the Tuckheads have been debating about on our Slack channel is the proposed incentivization for minority hiring that owners are scheduled to vote on this week.
0: Yeah, I saw for sure. Tuckheads J, and how do you pronounce by J O H A N N A? I would go Johanna. Is that what you said? Yes, Johanna. Yeah. So I know Johanna and Tuckheads J were kind of debating the uh, minority incentivization proposal. I tweeted about this at Ross Tucker NFL. Over the weekend, I don't believe at all that moving up six places in the third round, if you hire a minority head coach or 10 places in the third round, if you hire a minority GM, I don't think that is enough incentive for owners to make a decision based on that. I don't even think I mean, if it's a pure tie, maybe, but not even. I mean, it's it's really not that much value. So I don't like that part of the rule because I don't think it's going to incentivize or compel anyone to act. I think if they hire a minority for head coach or GM, it's going to be because they think they're the best person for the job. And then unfortunately, some people are going to believe that they got the job in part because of that, which is not that doesn't help anybody. That, that that's a bummer for anybody, especially someone that's going to be the head of your organization, either the personnel side or the coaching side. I don't really like that part of it. Now, the other part of it, and I tweeted this, as I mentioned, where you get a fourth-round compensatory pick if you hire a ma- minority quarterback coach, I think is, is pretty interesting because fourth-round pick, I mean, that's it's a whole other player, a whole other person, and quarterback coach is important, but it's not the head coach or the GM. And I think that it could incentivize more head coaches to be more open to hiring a minority as quarterback coach, which I think is critical, absolutely critical, because a lot of times it's the quarterback coaches that become the coordinators, offensive coordinators, and then it's the new hot offensive coordinator you know, the LaFleur or the McVeigh or whatever. Those are the guys that usually become the head coaches. So I do think that one has a little bit more teeth. Now, I would say in general, there's an even bigger d- debate as to whether or not these measures are necessary. You know, I know there are people that feel like this is reverse discrimination or that race should not be considered a factor either way. I'm not really going to delve into that. I think people are pretty dug in on how they feel there. And that's a bigger debate. I'm talking about the practicality of some of these proposals. And if you lose someone who goes on to become a head coach or GM somewhere else, you get a third round compensatory pick. So you're, you're incentivized to make them quarterback coaches, to make them coordinators and, and have them eventually leave to get other jobs.
1: I think it's really interesting. I, I really do. Ducks Some player news includes the Saints signing running back Ty Montgomery and two more guys getting arrested. Bills de-tackle Ed Oliver and Redskins wide receiver Cody Latimer.
0: Ty Montgomery, former receiver at Stanford. Yeah, I think he gives them a little bit of uh, Alvin Kamara insurance, if you will, in case Kamara gets hurt. Um, so I get that. Plus, you know, there's a last year of Kamara's contract. Maybe he holds out. They're trying to get some a little bit of leverage there, another option there. And guys getting arrested. I will say this, talking with people, everybody, friends, family, people are really itching after two months now of the quarantine, social distance, however many weeks it's been. People are really starting to – it's like the combo of two-month mark and the weather getting nicer – People are really itching to do stuff. And I think I think we're seeing some former players, some current players, you know, they're they're obviously doing things and they've been away from structure for a long time now. This is they would be back in structure now. There's no, that's not an excuse, it's just a reason. I mean it's still whatever Ed Oliver did, Cody Latimer, not good, especially piggybacking on the guys we had last week, Baker and Dunbar turned themselves in and they were released on bond. Pretty crazy. It's been a bad week for NFL players. Let's make it a good week for everyone. If you're still buying a ton of stuff on Amazon, please bookmark our Amazon link. You go to the homepage of rossducker.com. You scroll down. We got one for the UK, one for Canada, one for the US. You click on that link. It takes you to a landing page. You bookmark that landing page. Anytime you need to make an Amazon purchase, if you go through there, we don't get a lot, quite frankly, but it's a little something. And you're going to just buy something on Amazon anyway. So you might as well do it th- through us and get a little something, something. You won't even realize you're doing it to us after you bookmark it. But you got to bookmark the new one. I think some of you guys might have the old Amazon link. We got a new one now. So make sure you have the right one. Let's get to an email, Bri.
1: Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross.
0: So the email address is ross at rosstucker.com. And anytime you take advantage of any of our sponsors, you automatically get to ask me or any of our other podcast hosts a question on whatever show you want. Pretty cool. Just gonna email it to me, Ross at Ross Tucker.com. What do you got, Bri?
1: As a Bills season ticket holder since nineteen eighty, I've experienced the highs and lows of fandom. My question is that a trade for Diggs was an aberration to the process or a plan developed by McDermott and Bean? As an outsider, what do you see? Other than Allen is on a rookie deal, so money is not an issue. In a team that gives you confidence that this deal will pay dividends in the short term as well as long-term success for the organization. Bills Mafia, proud to have you as an alum. Be safe. That is from Joe Miller.
0: Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Joe actually bought a My Front Page story, which is pretty cool, Joe. I'd love to get an email from you with the reaction, how to go, all that stuff. Um, I love hearing the good news about My Front Page story. So... Joe, here's here's the calculus, I think. Okay? It's year 3 for Josh Allen, which means he is eligible for a new contract after this season. And some guys have gotten them, Christian McCaffrey's of the world, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, etc. So he might want one, and they might want to do it. So this might be the last year that Josh Allen is really inexpensive. And so I think there's a couple of things at play here. Number one, they they so they, they have the space to bring on Diggs' contract. Number two, I just don't think they have a lot of confidence that where they were drafting, 25, I guess, 22, wherever it was, that they would have gotten a player that would have nearly the production this year in 2020 that Stefan Diggs would. And I think Diggs is under contract for three or four more years. So contractually, it's about the same as a first-round pick, maybe a year or two shorter, but you can extend a first-round pick after the third year. It's more money, but it's also a much better chance that you're going to have a lot more production from Diggs this year. And they want the production now. They They wanted a proven commodity now. There's no like uncertainty like there would be with a rookie. Diggs is a player. D- Diggs is a is a real player and has been. Gives Josh Allen a number 1 receiver to go along with Brown the, the deep threat, Beasley the underneath slot guy, and they want to win the division this year. It's their turn, it's their time. They need to win the division this year. Patriots don't have Brady. It's the Bills' time. And I think that they're trying to seize the day. Carpe diem. They're trying to seize the opportunity, and I'm okay with it. Uh, Shout-outs go to White Label Group, Pizza Boy Brewing, NFLcliches.com, Dynastyfreaks.com. I love that we've got four. I think we're done here. Shout-outs. NFC North Day on the College Draft Podcast. We're going to go over every single draft choice in the NFC North. So if you are a Packers, Bears, Vikings, and Lions fan, you have to listen to today's College Draft podcast. It is mandatory. I think we're done here.
1: Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, Rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.